0: comic remix. I found out how to remember if it's plural or not. It is THE comic remix. Yes, it is a singular
1: comic remix.
0: Yes. So, we know the title of our own podcast now. (laughs) It only
1: took us (laughs) 17 episodes.
0: (laughs) Ah, and today we read, or at least I read, The Man Who Laughs. I know that's uh, something that you've had for a while. I read it within a year ago, so I know it generally. Did you read... I think there's two stories in here, isn't there? Uh, let's see. Yes, there's uh, there's the main story, and then there's some wackiness with the OG Green Lantern, uh, Alan Scott. Yeah, I don't remember that nearly as well, but
1: uh, I remember not being offended by it. It was fun, and also it's drawn by, not I wouldn't say one of my favorite Batman artists, but one of the lesser sung Batman artists I really like Tim Sale's version of Batman.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed the art. Uh it was like this is the problem anytime you're trying to like mix different generations of superheroes cuz Alan Scott's supposed to have been active for like a long long time. He's kind of supposed to be the old guy as I understand it.
1: Yeah, yeah. In a lot of continuities, he's like one of the people who inspired Batman.
0: Yeah. But he looks exactly the same age.
1: Right, and everybody is calling him an old man when he just looks like maybe he's 5 or 10 years older than everybody, not like 20 or 30 like he should be.
0: Yeah, like, if that. I mean, dude dude looks 30 on the outside.
1: (laughs) But that's just general comic book
0: art. Everybody looks like they're in the prime of their life. Yeah, at all times if if you're supposed to be a teenager you're a foot shorter even though that's not how puberty works <laughs> <laughs> but yeah as far as the main story goes i mean it is a loose retelling of the joker's origin story yep the bill kane bob finger
1: uh, origin story where he he calls people up on the radio and goes hey everybody i'm planning on murdering somebody this is who i'm murdering he's going to be dead by
0: midnight yeah it was, it felt pretty 90s. Was this 90s or was this two thousand? Uh, this
1: was published in, I'm going to look at the date. Uh, oh, wow. 2000. Okay, 2003.
0: So I wasn't that far off. I r- initially saw the republishing in 2008 and I was like, really? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, I mean, I guess that's only a five year difference, but sometimes you can feel those five years and this, d- this definitely feels a lot more 2003 than 2008.
1: I think this was one of the things that put Ed Brubaker into people's people's minds. I think he did Captain America just after this, his run on Captain America, and then he started doing indie stuff. He might have done some indie stuff before this, but um, yeah, Sleeper's probably before this. But I really, really like Brubaker, and when he gets to work on major people, it's kind of a treat for me. I still haven't read his Captain America
0: but it it feels very like grim dark for the sake of grim dark look at all the murderous murders that happen a little bit 90s leftovers yeah it's it's not certainly not the worst example of that even that i've read for this podcast but then again when you read all of age of apocalypse it takes some doing to be the worst example of 90s ass 90s (laughs) well and and batman has his run of really terrible 90s
1: stuff one of the things like i want to actually read the tail end of that era of batman because they got him out of that hole in really interesting ways chuck dixon and i think maybe ed brubaker was involved in that too but uh i liked cataclysm and no man's land which is the big earthquake that hits Gotham, and then Gotham is like turned into like the government is called in and goes like we need the the National Guard, and the government goes, eh, you're fucking on your own, Gotham. You did you were you aware of that story? I think that's the story leading up to or like right after Bane's introduction.
0: Okay, no, I've I read a little bit of uh, Nightfall. Enough to know that I didn't really care. No, not, Nightfall, about <laughs> Nightfall, other
1: than introducing Bane as a major character, is really, really bad.
0: Yeah, and even, like, I've never been a big Bane fan. I don't, you know, he's so often relegated to just big dumb muscle, Which is a shame, because he's...
1: he's not, that's exactly like the, I mean, not the exact antithesis, but he is supposed to be a smart, muscle-bound guy. He is supposed to be right. like, the mastermind behind things who is like, Oh yeah, I fucked everything up
0: for you, Batman. Now let me break your fucking back. Yeah, and so I, I, I knew that going in and then I was reading and it's like, Yeah, I don't think this is any better though. It's just one more of those edgy, grimdark 90s villains that just gets brought in out of nowhere and like, "Oh, this guy's smart enough to take on the Batman. Fuck you." I don't know. He felt uh he felt kind of villain sewish to be honest. Yeah,
1: he like he's a he's a character with a lot of potential, but that potential is rarely
0: met. Yeah, and, and actually not not so unlike Apocalypse. Uh he's one of those that that's never quite been done what you'd call right, but then you go back to the source and realize, "No." The- it's it's not that they're fucking him up in adaptation. They it's- just never knew what to do with him. <laughs> yeah, just never quite lived up to his potential to begin with. Like, they came up with a cool idea
1: or just a concept that looked cool and, like, a good origin. And then they
0: were like, well, what do we do with him? Yeah, and and actually that's a criticism that I have of the man who laughs as well. Just, like going out of their way to build up their villain in a way that feels forced and artificial. Like, Batman is always talking about, oh, I keep forgetting how fast he is. Like, he's fighting Batman in hand-to-hand combat and sometimes kind of holding his own and sometimes seeming to kind of kick his ass, and it's like, ah... Hand to hand has never really been what the Joker's all about. It, it depends who writes Joker.
1: Some people yeah. have him as like a really like capable fighter and or unpredictable enough to be capable. And then some of some of them just have like, oh, he he fights dirty, so every now and then he can get the upper hand. Or some of them have like, once he's once Batman's throwing fists at him, he's like, whatever, just beat the shit out of me, I don't care.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I I could certainly see him being capable enough, but it's hard to imagine the Joker having enough discipline to get down to some serious martial arts training. Right. So I mean in a in a typical Joker story, by the time it comes to fisticuffs, the issue's pretty much over. Right. And then it's just a matter of how many times does Batman have to punch him before he stays down.
1: Right, and but... like I think some of my favorite Joker moments have actually been where he is just kind of talking his way through stuff like one of my favorite moments speaking of tim sale did you ever read uh, the long halloween uh quite a while ago my favorite moment at least for joker in that is the one where he confronts harvey dent when he buys his wife and him a new cottage like a new house and they're like, "Oh, this is such a great gift i'm gonna and and harvey knows notices something's wrong and goes, "Go up to the bedroom. I'll be up in a few minutes and Joker is just at the Christmas tree and is like, "Hey, I'm just here and he he's basically there to threaten him and Harvey just beats the crap out of him, and mm-hmm. then uh Joker makes a point at, while he's getting the shit kicked out of him and then kicks a low blow to Harvey and just goes, don't fuck with me, Harvey, and then leaves. And he didn't, he was threatening throughout the entire time, and half the time he was getting the shit kicked out of him.
0: Yeah, Joker is always much more interesting when he's uh, more of a mental adversary, uh, or or better yet, a philosophical one. Like, you, th- you think of that moment in, in the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight, where... Batman's charging him with the motorcycle and he's just standing there like, come on, do it. Come on, do it. I want you to do it. Come on, do it. Mm-hmm. It's like that. That's Joker. Or,
1: or another Nolan moment is when he gives Harvey the gun in the hospital bed. And he's like, this is what I do. I'm an agent of chaos. Yep. <laughs> and then Harvey flips, gives him the coin and goes,
0: you live, you die. And he goes, Oh, now we're talking. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the joker that I like and honestly it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of that in this story. Like it's a pretty a pretty straight like revenge story. I mean, of course he's crazy, so who he wants to get revenge on is everyone in Gotham City that's not him for not having gotten their lives ruined the way that he did. But like even that much of an understandable motivation is kind of more than I want out of the Joker. He's he's more fun when he's almost an elemental agent of chaos right. for other characters to react to.
1: Yeah, that's a fair criticism. I think it's Brubaker trying to flesh out the original story, which is very minimalist. And if you know your your Batman history, the original ending had him falling on his own knife, and, right. and Joker was dead and was just going to be a one-issue character. And then I forget who, but I think the editor at the time went, what are you crazy? He's actually a really interesting character. And that's the only reason why Joker's still around. Uh, Yeah, so I think they he was taking a very minor story. It's, It's seminal because it introduces someone who became a major character later on but it's a very simple batman story and early batman stories are very simple
0: yeah and and this does feel like a throwback to that in some ways like joker's big plan is poisoning the water supply which is feels like a very silver age which is the evil plot yeah, which
1: is the original way that he was killing people at midnight was like oh i actually already had most of my chemicals in the water supply i just needed mm. to add this little bit to this section so that he would die at midnight and that's that's the big reveal is like, how is he killing these people oh i already had half the chemicals done
0: yeah yeah and there's there's also a moment where Bruce Wayne is one of these people that's being targeted by Joker. Mm-hmm. So he has to let himself get poisoned and he's he's whipped up an antidote, but in order to to throw off Bruce Wayne's suspicion, he has to let himself get poisoned and taken away before applying the antidote. And for some reason like up until that point it's been oh, he's so chaotic, he's so crazy. I can't get into his head. And after that incident, it's like, oh, now I know how he thinks because I've been where he is. And it's just like, ah, I've stared I into don't... the abyss. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Joker as the product of a chemical toxin. Right. You don't... I like Joker as, like, that, that physical trauma was the catalyst for his insanity, but the insanity is what's important. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Right. I, I think that, like, something like that, he kind of turned it into one of the major moments in the V for Vendetta comic where the guy goes to Lark Hill and takes the LSD. Like I really, I really like that moment, but to do that for Joker, it's, it kind of robs him of his magic.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's the man who laughs. I mean, it's, it's not a bad read by any means, but as like, I don't know that Joker's really a character that needs an origin story. Hence why, well, this it's is been...
1: this is really a loose origin story. It's just an expansion
0: on his first story. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know in in continuity, it's supposed to be Batman and Joker's first encounter. Yeah, and and I think there,
1: uh, Brubaker's heart was in the right place, bake making that first encounter more epic. But I don't know if it fully worked.
0: Yeah, it's it's fine. It's just not what I was expecting, and especially after coming off of spending so much time talking about the killing joke which for for all of the many problems with that goddamn movie the original comic like did did joker's origin in a way that i appreciated mm-hmm. and i i actually really like the man who
1: laughs people should check it out and kind of give it there i think it's worth reading it's just yeah, absolutely. it's just you may not think of it as like a a seminal joker piece some people do some people don't and it's up for interpretation either way.
0: Yep. All right. So, from there, shall we move on to something we both read this week, yeah. which was Brian K. Vaughn's Ex Machina? Yeah. It, what was it? The first 12? Oh, how many issues were in the first volume? Uh, 11, I oh, think. Okay. Yeah. Once. Once again, fun with <laughs> comics collecting. I bought the trade paperback, which is up on Amazon. And then Alex gets back to me a couple days later. Hey, by the way, did you read book one or volume one? I'm like, oh, shit, there's a difference. God damn it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs)
1: because it was different printings and like you got the prestige stuff. So that was like the big full like if you
0: is it a hardcover or is it or is it just a big paperback? No, it's it's a trade paperback. I mean it's not even it's it's a little thick, but not like noticeably so. Well, uh where does it end? Just so I know we're on the same page. <laughs> okay. Um flipping over here. It ends with uh with Guy in hoodie saying street lamps out. Oh. Uh
1: then I'm actually further than you, I think. Let me Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba nope nope that is that is where i ended yeah yeah somebody recognizes him on the street and he goes nope nope yeah i I get that all the time yep uh yeah yeah that's where i ended i am reading this on my phone through comiXology which i actually really appreciate this now i was never a a proponent of digital comics but their guided read is really interesting to me have you really
0: i haven't i have not tried it at all
1: Uh, Comixology has a feature where you can read all of the page at once, or you can use their guided view which goes panel to panel the reading order it's supposed to. Ah, now that's handy. And then it also, yeah, it, it also, for bigger stuff with, like, captions in the corners, like, in multiple corners where it would be tough to read as a full page, they actually mm-hmm. swoop over to the first, pan- first panel of uh, narration,
0: then swoop over to the other side for the second. It's really cool. That's nice. Yeah, I've, I've always said that uh, electronic comics is a good idea, but that probably won't see its full expression until really talented people start making comics specifically for that medium instead of adapting stuff that's meant to be read on the page.
1: I think comicsology is on the right track. If they have not like
0: if they are not the like on the cutting edge, they are really close. Well, I will have to check that out because the only comics, anything that I've really read on a screen, uh, I mean not counting scanlations, uh is is Dragon Ball which uh, I got some of that through Amazon and read it on my phone on the Kindle reader and it's it's acceptable but it's not the best way to read that
1: scanlations you mean you supri- support pirated comics
0: <gasps> uh hey, hey, man, I bought all of those Berserk volumes the <laughs> second they came out in the U.S.
1: <laughs> no, 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 I, I've done the exact same thing. I think I mentioned even on the podcast once that uh, when we were talking Frank Miller that I I downloaded Holy Terror instead of buying it and I told my comic book guy, like my comic store guy that, no, man, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't want to spend money on it. And he was, I don't blame you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's garbage. But yeah, Ex Machina, I suppose we should also say nothing to do with uh, the movie with sexy robots. No. And nof- nothing to do with the anime Appleseed Ex Machina. Totally different thing. Yeah,
1: it is It is a Latin phrase, means from the machine. Full, full uh, expression is deus ex machina, which is God from the machine, which is... I'm going to go super nerd here, because I... I took Latin, and I also took theater. And deus ex machina in, like, theatrical and drama stuff is, like, a weird coincidence that just moves the story forward and saves everybody's asses. Um,
0: Right. Because back in the old, old, olden days when playwrights would... Uh, write themselves into a corner and couldn't figure out a way out of it they would have a literal god show up to save the character yeah and and uh, they had
1: like a crane like mechanism that lowered the god character into onto stage and then raised them up when they were gone
0: and that right. thus deus ex machina god from the machine right so when you're using it uh in in writing it means being very lazy and it's not a good thing but here it's uh literally talking about machines because that's our main character superpower and we
1: use that phrase a lot as you just pointed out with the like not to be confused with this or this or this or the deus ex video game series because yep. there's a lot of way- to do
0: with that either there's a,
1: there's a lot of ways to use that phrase and kind of have multiple meanings with it Because computers are becoming godlike, stuff like that. But this is about a guy who. Where do we start? I mean,
0: because it it jumps around. Yeah, it jumps around a lot. It's told out of order, but I guess the the short version is Manhattan civil engineer finds this. I, I we're not sure if it's an alien artifact, but some kind of artifact which explodes and gives him superpowers. He can talk to machines. And of course the old joke is, so can you or I, but when he does it, the machines listen. Right. So, so any anything more complicated than like a handgun, he can, like if somebody's pointing a gun at him and is about to shoot him, he can say handgun jam and it'll jam up in their hand. I, I liked it because there was, my favorite
1: moment with that was it actually made me second guess him. There's a moment where somebody from the government is like, we need you in our pocket, blah, 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 blah. And then they screw him over later. And during their first conversation, he goes, you know, you guys were pretty stupid sending a guy with a fucking pacemaker here, right? Because I could do I could kill you anytime I wanted. And then uh, he screws him over over the phone. And Mayor Hundred. Yes, his name is hundred Mitchell hundred Mi- yep. Mitchell hundred uh this book is called the
0: first hundred days ah. wah, wah. but uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah he throws the phone and goes fucking die and then his one of his uh inner circle people comes into the room and and he goes like with news and he goes don't worry don't worry i was talking about the phone i was talking to the phone not his pacemaker (laughs)
0: because
1: i i initially went holy shit he just murdered that guy out of spite (laughs) (laughs)
0: man i didn't even think about that but uh i mean until he said it obviously but, uh, so yeah, gets these superpowers and has a very short and very lame career as a superhero. Well, he's... lame
1: up until nine eleven.
0: Yeah, well, that's the... Because, you know, they show just, like, disconnected little flashbacks of his short career as a superhero. And boy, he's trying, but he's just... Turns out that if you're, you know, this is something that at least tries not to work so much on comic book logic. And when you take the comic book logic out of the picture... Like, yeah, he's trying to, like, make contact with somebody on the L- NYT PD to kind of be as Jim Gordon. And they are having none of it. Yeah. Like, no, no, you are a vigilante and I want to bring you in. You need to stop what you are doing, please. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then uh, the I, I really like the world building because they changed it just enough for it to be interesting, but it's still relatable to our world. He mm-hmm. intervened. During 9/11, but he didn't. He wasn't there quick enough. He couldn't predict it, so he wasn't there to stop the first plane. He only reacted for the second plane, and so there is one tower remaining of the twin
0: towers. I really, yes. I
1: really like that world building.
0: Yeah, that is that is really cool. So yes, he at by this point by the point by the time of uh, 9/11, he has already decided. Yeah, this this whole thing was a bad idea. My heart was in the right place, but. I am not actually helping anybody. I'm going to retire as a superhero. Uh, But he decides to like spin his short-lived notoriety into a mayoral campaign and become the mayor of New York City. Not really expecting that he'll win, but as many... He runs as an independent and goes like, at least I can
1: push people in the direction of what I want to talk about.
0: Yeah, so, you know, Bernie Sanders, basically. <laughs> well, what Bernie Sanders turned out to be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, boy, we all hoped, but that that might be getting into a little too much real-world politics for a comics podcast. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> but yeah, not really expecting he'd win, but wanting to at least, you know, get his preferred talking points talked about, maybe push the candidate that was closest to his side closer to his side in order to take the votes that he otherwise would have gotten. You know, being very realistic about this. But then 9-11 happens, he puts the suit on, manages to save a lot of lives, and actually wins. And it's like, oh shit, now I actually have to do this job. Mm -hmm. And I like
1: that he's he's intelligent. He's not completely in out of his depth as a politician. And yet he constantly... It it makes you feel like every politician is just like, working on this, like, just... Flying off the seat of their pants, like
0: yeah, or actually it it makes you feel like a lot of them are probably a lot smarter than you give them credit for right. when you see all the shit that he has to deal with, they're at least not, capable you know, of
1: multitasking when you think they're a complete moron,
0: yeah, yeah, because he's i mean, and he is not an idiot, like you say, he's not a like total fish out of water, he has you know considered opinions about issues, he has a seemingly a pretty talented political mind for getting the things that he wants to do done and, like, a pretty good temperament for this kind of work. Like, he's able to... he He's pretty thick-skinned, doesn't let it get to him as much as you would think, but at the same time, you can tell that yeah, this is not a job that he was really prepared for, and he is kind of figuring it out as he goes as he goes along, which is a really nice balance to strike. And I think they do it very well. And I was
1: surprised because I I went into this knowing very little of the political side, but he mm-hmm. they actually use it to address several major issues.
0: There's a school, sh- uh, well, not a school shooting, but. Uh, uh yeah, well pretty pretty close. It turns out and spoilers as always, somebody's going around killing uh snowplow drivers during one of the nasty snowstorms of the
1: 2000s that hit New York.
0: Yeah, and it turns out to be a depressed high school student uh who is like using this as he's planning to kill himself, but before he goes, he wants to cause a bunch of snow days so that he'll be well remembered because he's, you know, the The geek that everybody hates. Right. And then they use...
1: I think this was even before... Well, it was definitely before the legalization of gay marriage, but it was during... It was during the big talks about, like, uh, civil unions and shit. And uh, one of his main inner circle people has a gay brother who was a fireman during nine eleven. so he's like this will be great i'll i'll marry them and blah 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 and then it gets into the homophobia yeah. of it too because he gets uh into a relationship with a reporter who decides eh, i'd rather work crime unit instead of politics anyway let's have a, a relationship and she's all for it and then when she finds out what he's doing is she's like were you using me to cover so people wouldn't ask if you were gay yeah and
0: he to to his credit uh doesn't straight up deny it although i maybe it was just my reading but it seems like he was kind of into her to begin with right it's just well
1: he it, I, I think he says in the comic at some point is like well at first yes
0: but <laughs> yeah which, of of course, yeah, coming from her angle, you can totally understand why she's she hears that and it sounds like the lamest fucking excuse ever. <laughs> but having seen the story up until this point from his side, it's like, yeah, that does sound like the lamest excuse. It's also kind of true, but... Yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of cool. And, like, speaking as somebody who's <laughs> had his fair share of relationship problems due to the fact that I have a demanding job that takes up a lot of my time, like yeah, this really sucks to say, but sometimes you just can't have the relationship that you want unless it makes sense professionally as well as personally. And that's got to feel like real shit to hear from somebody. By the way, I'm single. Guess why? <laughs> <laughs> of course, I've, I've never had to be quite that cold-blooded where it's like, well, I can't date you until I need somebody to prove I'm not gay.
1: <laughs> but so there was the school dork get it who wanted to go out through suicide with a bang there's the the 9-11 bit there's the the gay marriage issue was there any other major ones i uh there was there was the one with the uh with the painting oh right right
0: yeah the uh brooklyn museum of art had yeah there's this this hip young artist like up and coming darling of the art scene who paints a portrait of Abraham Lincoln with uh, the word nigger in giant letters all over it. And that gets put up in the Brooklyn Museum of Art, and it's causing protests. And it's like, oh God, do we take it down and then we're censoring? Or do we leave it up and then is this racist? Is it supposed to be deconstructing racism? And he's got this uh, this intern working in his office who he sends to try to convince the artist to voluntarily take it down. And she, up until this point, she's just like the pretty blonde intern. You don't know if she's got a brain in her head. And she just takes this artist character apart in the most beautiful way. Yeah, because she has. She actually is working on her
1: master's or bachelor's degree in art history or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, something like that, but she is, like, a smart person creative cre- in the creative field, and she's just an intern for, like, something. Like, she needs money.
0: Yeah, and so she she goes over to, to talk with this artist, uh, and just immediately, so, like, let me guess, you did your first, you know, your first art piece, and it got picked up, and you became the talk of the town, and then yeah, you yeah. did your second, and it wasn't as good, but... It still got you the success, and now you feel totally out of your depth, so you just made the worst like most tritest thing you could ever think of trying to like take some of this heat and pressure off of you. But Oh no, now nobody wants to be the the person who points out that the emperor has no clothes. So they're treating it as this work of genius that you actually fucking hate. Yeah. And yeah. she just kind of like grumbles like, that's, that's not what happened. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause
1: basically the critics praised her right away continued mm-hmm. to praise her because none of them wanted to be the first one to go like eh she's getting a little repetitive and then she puts out the most offensive thing she can think of most simplistic trite offensive mm-hmm. thing just to get buzz and like oh not, uh, love this and art critics are still like <laughs> oh it's amazing it's, it, it's great and <laughs> so yeah but the
0: African American community is
1: really not cool with it
0: uh, yeah I wonder why and so she the the way that subplot wraps. wraps. ...wraps up is that the artist, who's not willing to take it down because then it would appear as though she were cowing to pressure, she puts on a ski mask, sneaks into the art museum, and throws a bucket of paint on it, and yells death to racism, and then, like, kicks the security guard in the kneecap and runs out. (laughs) <laughs> and so then it's it's taken down because it's been defaced. Which that that might have been one, like one of the few plot points that leans a little bit hard on comic book logic right. because it's like, oh, in addition to being this you know, well regarded artist, she's also a fucking ninja. Okay. But <laughs> she, but you know what? She it looks was, fairly
1: fit in that.
0: Yeah, but uh, you know what, it was uh, it was a creative enough way to resolve that that I was willing to forgive it that little bit. Yeah. And if it doesn't seem like we're talking ab- about a lot of superhero stuff, it's because that's there too, but this is like, I'd say 80% West Wing, 20% X-Files. A, a little bit of Iron Man sprinkled in there too. Yeah, yeah. In, in addition to be able- being able to talk to machines, he also seems to be a preternaturally talented inventor. He whips himself up a jetpack, in a cave with a box of scraps etc cetera, etc cetera. he yep. made himself this like sci-fi looking ray gun thing
1: yep and uh he's got some cohorts who were in on the entire thing when he was a superhero one of them is now his security detail guy and then he has this old russian mentor who was a friend of the family when he was young and he is very much just like hey we need and By the way, during the uh, bombings of uh, Snowplow guys, they thought that he was involved.
0: Yeah, they thought that he was trying to get him to come out of retirement because he has been not at all shy about saying this politics stuff is nonsense. You need to be out there doing real good, saving lives. And he's just constantly like, look, you're a good friend. You are wrong. I did not do very much good out there. I didn't like my criticism of the super su- the the Suicide Squad that they didn't do much that a team of SWAT guys couldn't do. Right? Like he is very well aware of that here. Like, yeah, I've got some powers. A team of SWAT guys is going to be way better at doing what I was trying to do than I was. Mm-hmm. But there is there is also so yeah. There's. There's that whole thing. It turns out that it, uh, so this, this artifact that gave him his powers had this, like, glyph on it that nobody's been able to decipher.
1: It looks vaguely Chinese, like, everybody says that it looks
0: vaguely Chinese, and it does. It looks... Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't, but it looks more like that than anything else. Right,
1: it's, it's one of those alphabets where it's like, it looks like
0: Chinese or Japanese, but not really... (laughs) Yeah, like, to a Westerner, that's the first thing you would say. I'm sure a Chinese person would say it looks Hindi or something yeah. like that. So it, these glyphs are now showing up in subways and, and like, all over town. And when people look at them too long, they start to act funny. And it's really, like, creepy and x filesy and, like, ooh, okay, you yeah, got that- your powers and you seem sane, but... Whoa! These people are getting really gouged their own eyes out with a pen, or slaughter their entire family with a with a butter knife. Crazy. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering what you meant by X Files. That that part is very X Files. <laughs> uh, so that's that's still. I mean, it's it's book one. It's lots of cryptic hints, not a whole lot of answers yet. But it's. I think they're doing a good enough job, especially since like the West Wing stuff is really interesting and well done. So I think that's doing a great job of carrying the story Mm -hmm. while they drop these little uh, arc myth uh, hints about what the larger plot might turn into. It
1: has a moment, it has a storyline where they actually have the results of one of those. Because you see every now and then as asides these people doing weird shit. And then there's an, in one of the arcs one of the guys who was put in charge of like being a contact for him after he came out as a superhero and went, "Hey, I'm Mitchell Hundred. I'm I am the Great Machine, which is his superhero name. Uh, right. I, I am retiring." Uh, they they had a bunch of government agencies were like, "Oh well, since you are a vigilante." but you have an interesting power that we can use. We're going to have you constantly check in with the NSA over here and the FBI Mm -hmm. over here and the CIA over here um, because we have questions. And one of those guys, the guy from the NSA who was in contact with him, he was really upset after nine 11 because he said you didn't do enough. Mm -hmm. And they had a really bad fight, and he eventually they eventually split up and then after a while in the story uh they say that they haven't seen him for fucking months, and his family was discovered his his uh his daughter was eviscerated, and all we found of the wife was a hand, so he's out there somewhere and he's fu- we want to drag him in because he fucking murdered his family and the reason they think that they think he is crazy is because he had the original glyph that or at least part of the glyph that turned uh mitchell into what he has and the long story short it doesn't turn out to be the agent it turns out to be the agent's wife
0: Yeah, who the reason they found nothing but her hand is because she chopped it off and replaced it with a robot hand.
1: Yep, because she gained the power, like, because she was exposed to the glyph, she could do really good maintenance and stuff. And she attacks him while he is, uh, oh yeah, he has a tendency, because he can talk to machines, he talks to his old jetpack. Mm -hmm. and it basically the entire narrative is him just talking and like this is what happened he's talking to his jetpack which is a little crazy but yeah I think it's basically his therapy sessions and uh, she fights him while he's talking to the jetpack and then eventually he throws the jetpack at her and he goes I'm sorry kill yourself and the jetpack fucking explodes in her hands that's some of the best stuff is just him like finding interesting ways to talk to machines to me
0: yeah so yeah I very much enjoyed this this is actually my second time reading it I read it years ago and I think got really broke right after and (laughs) couldn't really uh, afford to keep going with it that was during my heavy whatever the library has (laughs) comics reading phase and they only had volume one right but I'm My order for Volume 2 is already in, because I want to see where this goes. I can just immediately get it on Comixology. Well, isn't that convenient? I have to use Amazon Prime, neither of which are sponsors of this program, but we'll sell our souls for very cheap, so get in touch if (laughs) y'all are listening. Uh, uh, (laughs) Loot
1: Crate also, if you want. Um, Yeah. uh, blue, Blue Apron. I would totally cook better meals if I had Blue Apron.
0: I would cook worse meals, but lie about it. <laughs> what? You're not a,
1: you're not a fan.
0: Uh, I actually don't know, <laughs> but I like uh, I like a less planned, more throw-some-shit-in-a-pot-and-see-how-it-tastes oh, okay. uh, style of cooking. Okay, did, uh, did, did, uh... Na- Nature Box, I have used those, and I can... Uh... Boy, this really is turning into the unpaid <laughs> sponsorship hour. I've used Nature Box, I used one of those bed-in-a-box things that... Oh, man, Casper. I am a whore- yeah, it, it wasn't Casper. I found um uh Tuft and Needle or something like that. Okay. It's like Casper but cheaper because they don't spend as much on advertising. Oh, okay. But uh but boy, yeah. Come to think of it, I'm a real whore for things I hear about on podcasts. <laughs> and you, <laughs> and our listeners should be too to get us those sweet ad deals. Or or just
1: am- <laughs> Amazon give us an affiliate link. Hey.
0: <laughs> so yeah I think that's what we had for this week next week we'll have uh, it sounds like Ex Machina Volume 2 do we have anything else coming down the pike Comic Bento give me a sponsorship
1: <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> um, other than that uh, I I might start because I really like Vaughn stuff or Ed, or Brubaker Brubaker's got more stuff that is self contained maybe I'll talk about Criminal next Criminal's a, a favorite of mine
0: Alright. Well, I think that gives us enough to go on. Thank you for tuning in to the comic remix Singular. Yes. There is only one and it's us. Yes. Alright. Ooh, that's... Sign Offline! I found one! <laughs> I, fo- I found a thing! <laughs> you did a thing! <laughs> I did it! <laughs> 17 episodes! <laughs> Good night, everybody!
1: I'm Alex Wanchura. Reach me. out, reach out to me on Alex Wanchura Twitter, or at Alex Wanchera on Twitter.
0: HBI2K on Twitter, and that's it forever. Alright. Bye. Try, you,
1: can't
0: <laughs> Bye. No you, try, you can't stop us now.